up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chat. This is episode number 108. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not much, man. I am, I'm just so excited. It's been so long since we've done Vector Theory. You know, there have been a lot of requests to do it from online, which were honestly pretty, pretty flattering. I mean, overall, we do have less than five Vector Theory episodes, don't we? Excuse me, but I hate to interrupt, except that you should have said you have done fewer than five episodes, not less than five episodes. Hope you don't mind me stepping in. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. It's, it's the, the professor. professor. <laughs> Hello. Oh, well, forget Vector Theory. We've got something way better to do. Zach, run us through that intro nonsense so we can get to the good stuff. Yeah, so before we get into all this stuff with the prof here, if you are not already in our Discord, check that out. It's the best place to go to communicate with us outside of the show, and we've got a great community over there of folks who are looking to draft, looking to chat, all things draft, and just fill in shenanigans. And if you're not already a member, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod if you'd like to support the show directly. Huge thanks to all of our patrons over there who have been continuing to help us do this week in and week out. We really can't thank you all enough. All right, we're going to skip our crack and draft type thing because we've got some really interesting questions to get to with the prof here, but we will do our Teferi and Tybalt as usual. This is our Roses and Thorns style of segment where we share a high and a low from the past week. Ben, do you want to kick us off? My Teferi, or my high from this past week, was definitely the Double Masters 2 draft. Getting to just play a fun set. This is the first time I felt super excited about opening these packs in a while. And that's, you know, in this digital arena age, you got to treasure that when it comes. Cracking a, you know, borderless foil Imperial Seal certainly didn't hurt either. My uh, my Tybalt this week, schoolwork in the summer. You know, I, I've got to do some, some curriculum work uh, and... and I don't know, man. I, I don't really want to think about school right now. So I'm trying to keep that on the back burner and, and relax as much as I can. How about you, Zach? Yeah. So myself, I mean, watching you open a borderless foil Imperial seal was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, and the whole store just kind of going crazy that, that it happened was really great. My tibble this week is that I've, I'm sick. I'm under the weather. Luckily, not COVID. Tested negative for COVID. But I, I think I've got a bit of a summer head cold here. And uh, maybe it's coming through in my voice, but my throat's kind of killing me. <laughs> Prof, how about you? Uh, should I start with Teferi or Tybalt, the good or the bad? Either way. Uh, let's start with, well, the bad is very, I guess, uh, self-obsessed and narcissistic. It's work-related, but uh, my video for the week on Monday uh, got a lot of criticism, and so that's definitely my Tybalt. We did our gameplay show, and we had uh, uh, Aaron from Game Grumps on as the guest, and yeah. his, his shtick. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, is that he doesn't ever read tutorials or learn how to play games and just blunders his way through completely ignorant as to how to play well. And that apparently doesn't translate very well to Magic <laughs> Gathering audiences oh, who no. uh, became very irate at the fact that he, you know, for example, uh, uh, didn't know what Evoke did, even though it was his own deck. Now, in in his defense, on the uh, special art card that version that he had, it just said Evoke and didn't have any reminder text. And so I would hmm. definitely challenge anybody who had ne to ask themselves fairly, if you didn't know what Evoke did and it just said Evoke, how are you supposed to get there without reminder text? But nonetheless, uh, uh, there was a lot of misplays in the episode and boy, oh boy, did I hear about it in the comments and oh, people God. were so mean and it really got to me. It really was like a, a, a Tybalt in my heart. Uh, so I hope people still did enjoy that episode, but boy, was I not in a, a, a happy place reading some of those comments. That was definitely my uh, Tybalt of, of the week. Mm-hmm. 
My, uh, I will say I enjoyed yeah. the episode. Well, that's weird. that's very nice of you to lie like that. Ah, are you kidding? I've been a Game Grumps <laughs> fan since I was in high school. Right, so you can Aaron verify that's his that's his bit, right? His it bit is, is like, how do I do that? And ha ha, you know, it was absolutely Aaron just being Aaron. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I would be scared to look at that comment section, but um. You know, like you said, on that on that one printing of grief, reading the card didn't actually explain the card, did it? Yeah, no, it's like, how's he supposed to know? I mean, I guess he's supposed to know because it's his deck, you know, but like <laughs> besides the fact it was his deck, how's he supposed to know? Yeah. And how about a, how about a, te- a Teferi? Well, the Teferi was, uh, uh, I got to get off my channel. My, my Teferi is getting to be here uh, with both of you there. there no. But uh, along <laughs> those lines, uh, I got to play this really awesome game on the ED Elder Dragon uh, Hijinx channel. I'm butchering it. Elder Dragon Hijinx, uh, Alias V, and uh, uh, Olivia's channel. And I had so much fun, I forgot I was working, which was just a testament to how much I love magic is, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come on in and play a game, put an hour aside. Okay. It's, you know, it's work. It's, it's, you're, you're creating content. You're doing a, a, a thing for someone else's channel. And I had so much fun playing that game. I forgot the cameras were even rolling. I had a blast and I just walked away from it saying, you know, I really do love this game. I really do love this community. I really do have a lot of fun just playing and 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 doing magic things. That's awesome. awesome. All right, on to our main topic this week, and our main topic is a word with the prof. So, Ben, why don't you kick us off? We've got we've got a handful of questions here. We're going to go through, and and as we mentioned before recording, it meant to be conversational. So feel free to go on tangents if you feel the need. Yeah, we're we're a fan of nonsense here. If that wasn't gathered yet, so for for any uh, any listener out there who's been living under a, a, just a big hedron on Zendikar recently, uh, who are you? I'm the professor uh, of the Tellarian Community College YouTube channel. It's a channel dedicated to all things magic, from product reviews of Magic the Gathering accessories to, like I said, we now have a uh, gameplay show, comedy skits about magic, uh, product reviews about the actual products that come out within uh, Magic the Gathering from Wizards of the Coast. We used to do things like deck techs, but those are pretty dead. Wouldn't everybody, well, you're limited. What do you know about deck? text. Uh, I've got an introduction to draft video that's about three years old. To, if somebody doesn't know how to draft, they can get the very, very basics. But yeah, I focus usually on introductory and maybe intermediate level uh, content about Magic the Gathering. And depending on your metrics, I am uh, potentially currently the number one Magic the Gathering YouTube channel, uh, or at least certainly one of the top Magic the Gathering YouTube channels. I think this month, actually, that's my Teferi. I should go back. I should be a total uh, egomaniac and say my Teferi is, is that this month I had the most views on my YouTube channel than any month in the nine years I've been doing it. And it definitely has me well in the lead uh, with my very dear friends and colleagues who also have MTG YouTube channels. Nice. Uh, so I, I guess that I, I, I had more fun playing Commander with friends, though. So I've got to, <laughs> I, I don't want to change the Teferi. But yeah. No, that's no, no. Um, so. I mean, a follow-up question. What's it like being around 200,000 followers more popular than the actual Magic the Gathering YouTube channel? Oh, that's sweet. That feels good. <laughs> no, no, that's that's just absolute joy. The fact that uh, my YouTube channel not only has 
hundreds of thousands uh, more subscribers than Wizards of the Coasts, but also that, uh, you know, I might I might often be neck and neck with uh, the command zone some months in terms of monthly views. But in terms of monthly views, I blow Wizards of the Coast out of the water so long as they're so long as they're not paying to artificially inflate their views, which Mm. they do when a new set. Uh, comes out with a trailer, but that's uh, uh, another matter. So yeah, no, that that feels really, really good. It, it makes me feel good. Like all joking aside, obviously I love Magic the Gathering. I just said uh, how much joy I have still playing it and stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, it it feels good because Wizards of the Coast often does what it can to make me feel irrelevant and insignificant. And so when I look at things like that, I go, no, I'm not insignificant. They're, I'm not irrelevant. They're, they're no. wrong. They're wrong. No, 100%. Uh, for what it's worth, you're, you're, I feel like one of the ultimate forces for good within the magic community. Um, just like who, who hasn't heard of the professor? In fact, I've recently seen, I want to say it's game genic now includes on their boxes, like, mm-hmm. like ratings from you as, as their, their like testaments because they know their audience is all watching you and all saying, well, this is the person whose review we care about. Uh, and for the record, game genic, that's some quality stuff. I started buying that their stuff since seeing your reviews and, uh, haven't been disappointed. Well, I should come on more often if you're going to say such sweet things to me. <laughs> you're always welcome. <laughs> so to kind of follow on with uh, some of the magic conversation there, we'd love to hear, like, what was your first experience with magic? And then kind of tangentially, how did that segue into making content about magic? Uh, well, the two are uh, literally decades apart because my first experience with magic was in high school in an ancient era known as the mid-1990s. Uh, Revised was the set that was on store shelves when I began playing magic, followed by Fallen Empires and uh, Ice Age and uh, Homelands, <laughs> sets like that. But despite Homelands and Fallen Empires, I still had a love of Magic the Gathering. Um, I was in high school. There was a person that I wanted to uh, be able to have uh, more time hanging out with, and she played Magic the Gathering, so I learned how to play as an excuse to hang out with her. And uh, through that, there was a circle of kids that played Magic at this certain little spot uh, during recess and lunch, and that's then where I hung out and suddenly had a uh, a kind of social circle, which was uh, a, a, a fantastic and positive experience for me. I, I went and when Ice Age came out, I wanted to buy booster boxes and I had no money. And so that summer, and I was, I believe, 16, and I got a 16-year-old person work permit thing. And I worked at this uh, little company uh, sweeping up and doing general cleaning and extra, need a little extra pair of hands sort of work. And uh I earned 700 bucks. I put half of it in the bank. And with the other half, I bought three booster boxes of Ice Age and then some loose packs. And uh, so Magic is responsible for my first job and my current job. I never really thought about that. My Magic's responsible for my first job. And then my my current job was decades later. Uh, someone that I knew back in high school pulled out their magic cards and said, remember these? And I did. And it wasn't long before I was uh, picking up packs again and building decks and back in back into the world of magic. Do you have any of those like awesome success stories you hear from, from people who picked up the game early on where they like took a break and came back and found a bunch of like, you know, black lotuses and stuff in a, in a binder somewhere? 
Well, I never had Black Lotuses because I started with Revised. So the most expensive stuff I had was uh, uh, Revised Dual Lands, of which I did have all of them. Uh, I don't know that I had a play set of all of them. I know I had at least one of all of them. I probably had several copies of each. Uh, And then the other thing I do very clearly remember is the whole Force of Will thing, where that was an uncommon in alliances. And I had opened a ton of alliances. And and, uh, so the problem is, is that when I left Magic at 18 to go to college and, you know, adults don't play Magic the Gathering, I better sell these cards since I'm moving off to college. No adult's going to play Magic the Gathering. And uh, I was really happy. I think I got like 10, 15 bucks each for uh, my dual lands. Uh, the Force of Wills were probably just, I, I remember the person I sold the stuff to, I just said, hey, I've got a bunch of, you know, like my boxes of commons and uncommons. Do you want those too? I'll just throw them in. And there that went. My friend saved all. He told me. He said, don't do it. Like, you're going to want it someday. My friend. It's a memory. He said, it's a beautiful memory that you can pull out and enjoy. And I said, nah, I want the $300 for all these dual lands. <laughs> and uh, he's the one who pulled it out. And when I got back into it, I remembered Force of Will. I remembered like, oh, this crazy card, worthless card. Who would want to throw away a blue card to counter a spell? You lose a card from your hand. And I went to him and I said, where are your boxes of commons and uncommons? He had it all. And we went through it. I said, this card's like uh, uh, at the time, what's Force going for now? Force was like 75, 100 not too long ago, right? It's probably pretty close. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was when we went through his boxes. And, And we found like seven or eight of them in there. And they were on, they were pack fresh. They were packed because they just, at the time you didn't play with that. You were like, that's dumb. Put it in in your, your box. So now they weren't mine though. They were his and he doesn't want us. And I said, you should sell them. He said, no, if I had sold them, you wouldn't have gotten back into magic. So like, Uh, I'm still saying you should sell your, he had a bunch of duels still. I was like, sell your duels. You don't, he doesn't play. I said, you can use the money. He said, nope. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Man, I, I haven't gotten past fifteen dollars for a true duel. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that that would make you know building my commander decks a lot easier these days. <laughs> bit of a bit of a content related question. What's your favorite product that you've ever reviewed? What's the thing that you that you use yourself that you review and that maybe you uh, you know you treasure more than the rest? Uh, well, those are all very different questions because treasure more than the rest and favorite product that I've reviewed and like favorite product are all three different things. I'm also very, I'm very bad at like naming your favorites because I have so many, I've, I've got a lot of love to give. Like I consider the ultimate deck box about just like the, the go-to just solid workhorse deck box to actually be the ultra pro satin tower because it's about 10 bucks. It, it holds a little more than a hundred double sleeved. It's got a component for dice and everything. And, and you can't beat that price, but it's not the fanciest one uh, by far. And like my more treasured ones are actually ones uh, probably made either by there's two uh, high end deck box makers, uh, Aaron Kane, who does custom wood, uh, uh, deck boxes. And some of the ones that I've had from him are just, they're like works of art. They're beautiful. Mm. They're expensive as hell because they're handmade to order and, and, and just excellent craftsmanship. And then on the other end of that is leaf kicker who does acrylic and he works in acrylics and he makes these, it's like a, a, a hedron or a sensei's divining top or a squirrel and, and they're deck boxes, but they look like a little 
piece of magic come to life. And I love that, even though they're not something everyone can afford and I only get them because luckily I'm able to get samples uh, for review and, and such like that. Uh, I've bought a couple uh, over the years, but a lot of them come from, you know, samples for review. And yeah, uh, those those are in a different category. You know, I couldn't say to people, oh, you're looking to get a deck box, grab an Aaron Kane, because mm-hmm. that might be more than a booster box. But what gives me a lot of joy are those high-end deck boxes. My favorite product to review, however, no longer exists. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite to review. It was my favorite review because it was the one that really put me on the map. And about, gosh, I think maybe seven to eight years ago, I was in my local game store and I saw someone pull out a folder and I'd never seen anything like it. He opened it and it had a play set of each card going down because most binders are nine pockets on a page in rows of three. So you open a page, you got three and he opened it and it was three rows of four. And I, and it was, he had dual lands in there and, 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 uh, shock lands and fetch lands and he was turning the pages and it looked, it just like electrified me. I said, what is that? Where is that? And he said I that he had just come back from Italy and that they were for sale at a card store there. And all it said on the cover was four, the four. And so I went and I found a card store in uh, the UK that had them in inventory and would ship to the US. And the shipping was like over a hundred dollars. I had this long talk with my <laughs> yeah. wife. And I was like, we have to do this. And I got them. (laughs) And that was the video review that really blew up. I was like known at that point. I was around. I I wasn't number one. And uh, that review was one where I was able to do something that no one else had previously done and that I hadn't previously done, which is to say, this is something you didn't know existed that I want to show you. And that's my favorite kind of review because a lot of times it's like, yeah, we know, Prof, we know. Many times it's people agreeing with me. Yeah, we know. Wizards is greedy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not – that's no surprise there. And what I loved about this was nobody knew this product existed. I was able to show it to them. It made a big difference for the company, at least at the time being. I don't think they're still around. Uh, I haven't heard from them in a long time. Uh, They definitely had some issues later on where there was both – potential quality assurance issues and potential counterfeits. I don't know the full story, but, and in that moment, it was this hot must have binder. Uh, now other companies all offer four column binders. And that was, I'm going to be honest because of my review and my video, like, like bringing it to the, 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 uh, forefront of the conversation. It's, it's, you know, I guess it's a little sad that the company that did this innovation, is I believe out of business or if they're out of, if they're not out of business, they're certainly not a big name in the world accessory stage currently. And that all these other companies, ultra pro and game genical came in. I was like, that's a good idea. We'll do that. You know, and then they're all producing excellent stuff, uh, uh, that you can get. But that was a review that definitely is what I think of as one of my favorite product reviews was because I, I like it was like a reporter digging up their their lead. And I was like, I got it. I got it. No one knows this exists. And and I was able to show it off. Now, so, relating to this, we want to shout out that we are proud backers of the academic. Oh, thank uh, you very much. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like this is a really unique thing. 
Yeah, uh, it, uh, it's uh, it's over. So you can't if you didn't already back it. I'm sorry. I, I do sometimes still get some letters saying, can we like, do you have some extra? It's like it doesn't work that way. Like the number is locked in and that's being ordered from the manufacturer and, and such. Uh, but I worked with Gamegenic to uh, design my own deck box. And this was a long time coming, obviously, as the uh, reviewer of products and accessories, Many people had said to me over the years, you should make your own. And I was very hesitant because I didn't want to just slap my logo on some cheap $5 plastic deck box. Like, you know, all those websites you could just put your logo on or something like that or find like even Ultra Pro, like to take Ultra Pro and be like, hey, can you put my logo on a satin tower? And it's like, well, is that really like my deck box? And, you know, I thought about it It could be a fun thing. But Gamegenic kind of uh, started talking with me and they talked about they made so many of my favorite products. And it turns out that their lead designer had made several of my favorite products over at Ultimate Guard before he left for Gamegenic. And so I had a lot of confidence and respect for him. And I was like, look, I've already given more A's to this individual than any other person on the planet. Let's talk. And and we did this whole process where he I told him qualities I wanted and he brought me designs and we came up with this deck box and uh, I did a Kickstarter for it. And it was it was it was pretty successful. Uh, there was definitely it was. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, I still so it, it, it did go very high. We got to just under, I think. Four million when the backer. So I forget what the official. I think the official Kickstarter was under three, but then we did our backer kit where people could order more, and we just hit under four million total. But keep in mind that that isn't going in my pocket. Uh, uh, nor nor Game Genic, though they're who I partnered with for them to handle the manufacturing of it, and we have fulfillment uh, centers set up in the U.S. and Europe. And, you know, the majority of that money is is obviously production cost uh, and the excess of that that goes to me and after taxes and stuff was largely preemptively used uh, for funding my current gameplay series. I didn't really emphasize that a lot because I didn't want to like go to people and say, hey, I want money to buy expensive cameras that I can't afford and to hire full time employees that I can't afford can you pledge for this box and then I'll be able to afford it? I did put it in as like a, a top goal, uh, uh, but I, I didn't really talk a lot about that. So I guess I could say here in this opportunity that, yeah, it was the main idea was, hey, there is going to be profit from this endeavor. What do you want to do with it? And I was like, well, I could put it in my pocket. That'd be cool. And I was like, yeah. You know, I, I didn't really that wasn't the goal behind it. There's other things I can do if I want to put money in my pocket. Uh, and I liked the idea of, all right, let's 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 next level the channel and yeah. bought a lot of very expensive equipment and was able to hire some employees and uh, build sets and fly people out and pay the people. Everybody on my show not only is flown out by Tolarian Community College, but they get an appearance fee. Uh, you know, they, their accommodations and meals are taken care of, all that cool stuff, because that's important to me too. So it's, it's you know, take them out to dinner and all that. No, but, you know, you shouldn't be, they shouldn't be losing money to come guest on 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 the show and, and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a, just a dream come true in that regards. And the boxes, for those of you who backed, should be coming out around uh, February of next year. We just had a, a, a look at some of the 
early samples off the factory line of the different colors. Looks really cool. Uh, very excited. It's a long process and we don't want to, we didn't want to like say, Hey, we're going to, you know, get it out to you by Christmas. Uh, and, and then it turns out it's going to be later. So we wanted to be very conservative in our estimate of when it would be fulfilled. And so we're saying February of next year so that nobody has expectations, you know, uh, uh, on, on, on it coming sooner and then getting disappointed. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, I think, uh, you know, I speak for Ben, at least if not the rest of your backers that like, it's a really awesome product in terms of just what it brings the academic that is. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them in person. I think it's, it's going to be really, really cool way to move your kid around. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, people who expressed frustration that it wasn't like it's this groundbreaking doing something new that it was just a box. And it was really funny that people were like, it's just a box. It's, 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 yeah, I wanted something like, like, again, I guess people wanted something like that four column binder, the deck box equivalent. And, and that had not been my goal, nor did I have the idea for you know, that next level sort of gaming accessory. I simply wanted to make the best single unit box. And I thought it was, was frustrating and funny. There were like, uh, there, there were some people pointing to some products, uh, that look kind of similar and being like, ah, it's just that product with your thing on it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Plus this feature, plus this feature, plus this feature, plus this feature, plus it does this, plus it does this, plus it does this. Like, yeah, you're right though. When you look at the (laughs) shape of it, it is a rectangle and, and it does open and close. So you got me there. It's like, we didn't have the multiphasic shielding where you can just pass your hand through and take out your cards. It, it does have an (laughs) opening and a closing and it is, well, not a square, but a rectangle. And there are other rectangles and yeah, looks, looks similar to other rectangles in that sense those other rectangles don't do the eight other things I could mention that we thought up, you know, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so there's, there's, there's me being a little frustrated. It was, it was just like, ah, but it isn't, it isn't the same at all. You can't do any of this with the other one. It's, it's all this stuff that I basically looked at the other one and a million other deck boxes. And I said, it should be able to do this. You should be, people want to hold their cards in it loose. People want to hold their deck boxes in it. Why can't it do both? People have, want to hold more than 100 double-sleeved cards. They want to hold triple-sleeved cards. They want to hold this. But what about if somebody just has a 60-card deck? What about people who have a kit? You can put your lands in it for, for drafting. People like to bring their pre-sleeved lands, for special lands for those oh, drafts. Yeah. Are you got, Do you guys do that? Do you have your own pre-sleeved lands for drafts? Yeah, the academic is going to be my new draft kit. So There you go. In any case, I think your comment section represents a very vocal subset of the magic community. Sure. I just trust that like uh, I, I did not personally leave a comment saying <laughs> this is awesome. This is exactly what I was looking for. But no, just know of course. I was thinking it. Maybe it was the, the folks that felt a little more passionate <laughs> are the ones that you tend to get responding. Yeah. And I also, you know, I mean, uh, I, I let that stuff in because I also think that's part of my strength is I think I would be a weaker content creator if I did what. I have had a few people tell me I should do, which is, hey, just F them and, and don't read the comments and, and just do your own thing. And I'm like, well, but, you know, I, I, I do take the feedback and underneath the more venomous comments uh, and criticisms, I can still learn and be like, OK, interesting. This is good. I like being connected in that way. And and as much as I will also refute certain criticisms here like like that, I also do take a lot on board and I do appreciate it. And I I think that 
passionate fans are better than apathetic fans by far. Good point. Definitely. So we're going to move the, this questions a little bit away from the product sort of thing, but we know if, if you're known, I think for any phrase, it's probably buy singles. <laughs> sure. That does not apply to draft though. Like, uh, in fact, if you're buying singles for your draft, you, you're going to get a judge called on you. That's, yeah, that is not okay. <laughs> you're not allowed to say, Oh darn, I really opened, I wish I opened that to fairy. Let me go pick one up and put it in my draft deck. Uh, that's, that's, I do not advocate that that's against the rules for sure. That said, when we are crack, cracking packs, we are usually doing it in a limited scenario. And so we were wondering what's your favorite limited set. So I guess it's a bit of a cliche, but it's the set I returned to magic on. And so I just have such an affection for it. And it was original in Estrad. And mm-hmm. I have an original in Estrad set cube just for it doesn't even have Dark Ascension or uh, 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 Avacyn. Well, you didn't draft with Avacyn Restored, but it doesn't have Dark Ascension cards in it even. I just love drafting original in Estrad, three packs of original in Estrad. And so I've got a cube set up to mostly mimic creating packs of Innistrad because they're, they're pretty expensive. Uh, but that is, that is the draft experience that just, it has such a nostalgic, warm place in my heart. Uh, just absolutely love it. And, and yes, I am prejudiced because that is when I returned to magic and it, it was formative for me, but I also think it's a pretty good, I heard one of the pros bemoan it as not a very good draft environment once. And I was like, well, maybe not, but I like it. No, I, I think you're a man of taste and culture. This, this oh, is a okay. good choice. All right. Um, it's funny. Our, our next, uh, our next question for you is actually a little bit related to, to a cube. We have our own draft chaff cube and it's exactly yes. what it sounds like. Uh, there, there's some rules basically in order for a card to make it into our cube, okay. uh, it must be draft chaff, like, right? You have to be able to designate it draft chaff. And that's actually harder than it sounds. Sometimes we go by money. Uh, for example, if a card is like over a dollar, is it really draft chaff, you know, right? Um, if, if it's the kind of thing you could sell off. But another thing is if a card sees heavy uh, format play, um, then is it really draft chaff? If it's sought after, but cheap, you know, then, then right. maybe it's not. That's where it gets a little, little tricky. But uh, we're actually going and doing some revamps of the cube right now. It's 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 fun. Just a, a bit of a, a teaser. We have uh, blue white flicker, uh-huh. blue black reanimator, uh, green white splinter twin quote unquote mm-hmm. uh green white has become the the infinite combo uh archetype with stuff like uh soul sisters and presence of gond uh midnight guard that type of thing this is um, none of this is sounding none of this is sounding like chaff this is sounding like <laughs> high powered stuff i don't know what you're getting at here oh oh well, that's just the thing it turns out draft chaff can be high powered and that's what we're about about the the love of the nonsense now if you had to add one card that you consider to be draft chaff. I'm not saying that we're automatically going to add it into the cube, but have we done that with every other card that a guest has said? Yes. <laughs> so uh, the problem is, is that I would be giving you a uh, uh, true, true draft chaff. This is yes. like not anything that there is any potential, uh, that there is any potential quality to, uh, but I will submit to you inspiration this is four count it four mana one blue and three of any color instant target player 
draws two full cards. <laughs> is that is that is that uh, draft chaffy enough for you? Current price is four cents on yes. uh, uh, listed as the the lowest it's going for via a TCG player slash Scryfall. Uh, that that would be my draft chaff. All right, we've got it. That, uh, <laughs> that may or may not make it into the cube. It may. <laughs> <laughs> We actually do have a, a our blue red archetype is free casting big spells, ways of like uh, casting a card for free from the graveyard or from hand. So that I don't know if I count it as a big spell necessarily, but I okay. think it'll slot into those decks. Can I can I give a, a runner up submission? Sure. Of course. The runner up submission are the the homelands trilands. Do you know these Castle Sangir Wizard School? This is from my era in the nineties when homelands came out. These lands are so flavorful and so cool. The idea of Castle Sangir and it's Grixis yeah. Grixis colors, but. Castle Sangir, for example, is you can tap it for uh, a colorless. You can spend one and tap it for a black, or you can spend two and tap it for either a blue or a red. That is truly disgusting wow. and so you awful. Put, you put two into it and then get a blue or red? And then get a blue or red. Wow. And the fact that it wasn't even, that they didn't even think, well, it should be, it'll filter you're into the Grixis colors because that would at least been kind of cool where it's like, okay, you yeah. can spend one and get a black or a blue or a red out of it for that day and age. Like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But the idea that they're like, no, 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 no. One for a black. And then if you want a blue or a red, you have to spend two. And that's the way they're all set up. So like for wizard school uh, uh, or for any of the other ones from homelands, one of the colors is its main color that you can spend one for. And then the other two colors you have to spend two. Uh, uh, to get and it's just absolute garbage absolute garbage <laughs> hot garbage oh it sounds like it we do need tries for the cube though yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah we do hmm 20 cents <laughs> perfect there we go all right so our next question here is one we ask every guest uh, a little bit of a an roundabout way to get to know somebody's personality if you were a potato how would you be prepared and served Mm, baked classic baked potato with all the fixins. So big baked potato, uh, uh, sour cream, shredded cheddar cheese, green onions, bacon. Nice. And I don't mean bacon bits pre-dried out bacon. <laughs> I mean some fresh, honest to God bacon got cooked up just for this meal, chopped up into little pieces, put on top. Oh, man. Yeah, all the full fixins. That's me. You can't do this to us. It's getting around dinner time. Yeah, I think I think I I know what I'm craving after this uh, interview. Now, now here's a question. How do you feel about potato skins? Are you the type to just go in and eat them straight up after the potato or do something else with them? No, I'm I'm a uh, uh, so it's funny. I was a real picky eater as a kid. I was one of those kids who's like, I want a cheese pizza. I don't want anything on my pizza. I want a, a, a turkey sandwich with just turkey and mayonnaise nothing else on it. I I want a hot dog with ketchup. I was really like that. And what's funny is, is I'm the complete opposite as an adult. I love food and drink and I just love flavors and tastes. And there honestly is nothing I won't eat. As long as it tastes good, I have no thing where I'm like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to put that. I will 
I'll eat it, baby. I will eat it. And so I, I will inhale that potato. I'll take the skin. You make uh, When you said potato skins, I was thinking like the bar snack, like potato skins. And I was like, yeah, baby, give it to me. But like you just talking about that baked potato. Oh, I'll just envelop it. I'll just absolutely. Because all those textures, all those flavors, if they cook it right, you get that crispiness on it. Mm, just great. Just great. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, another one to get to know your personality, although I guess I have an inkling of a suspicion, but it might not be the most practical answer. If you had to live in any place on any plane, yeah, you know, you're not you're not a planeswalker in this. Right. You're just so you're stuck there. Citizen. You're just stuck there. So this is a yeah. really good question because people will sometimes like say like their favorite planes. And it's like, wait a minute. What do you, you think? You don't life? necessarily want your favorite plane. If you think let me uh, can I guess what your guess as to my answer is? Yeah, let's get meta here. Okay, let's get meta. I think you would guess that I would say Dominaria. No way. Yeah. No way. Uh, Dominaria, <laughs> if I'm not a planeswalker and I'm not a wizard, I'm just living in the 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 the, the European Renaissance, right? Who the hell wants yeah. to live that? I'm going to have like rotting teeth and be living like 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 with a wool wool robe and like what am I going to do? If I maybe I could learn magic, but oh god, I'm an English major. I couldn't even learn <laughs> you know, I couldn't even learn math or programming or anything. So I don't think I'm going to be learning wizardry. So I I don't want to live on Dominaria. No, 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 no. Let's think about this. You got to live on a plane and you're stuck there, not as a planeswalker. What's your best bet as an average citizen? Ravnica. Ravnica, because you can even exist if you're guildless. You get yourself a little apartment. You get yourself a little job. You work in a shop. It's not that different than working at the mall here. If you got a little bit of talent, a little bit of ingenuity, maybe you sell some things, maybe you move up within the society, but it is a society. And yeah, you got to be careful. There might be an exploding uh, steam <laughs> pipe from the Izzet or a, a, a carnival from the Rakdos that gets a little out of control. Don't yeah. go see Cirque du Soleil on Ravnica because oh, <laughs> when they say audience, part audience participant, it's, it's really, really deadly. But for the most part, Ravnica, yeah, pretty metropolitan city, city, and it's been confirmed in story that there's coffee on Ravnica, and so oh. there is coffee on Ravnica. I don't know that there's coffee on Dominaria, and I don't want to know. I'm going to stick to Ravnica because I could probably just – I could open a little coffee shop, and that's probably what I'd do. I'd have one, a combination book and coffee shop. What a nice little existence. That sounds pretty great. Good. Yeah. How does – how does Streets of New Capenna alter that at all, if it does at all? Like, oh, like I got into similar- this whole Twitter thing over this. Like, I, I said I didn't like uh, the the way they presented Streets of New Capenna because I didn't believe that the level of advanced technology and, and society that it was presented could exist as just a city and nothing else to, like, you know, manufacture and trade. And some people were like, oh, I don't see upset about Sarah's realm. And I'm like, yeah, but Sarah's realm is ruled by a demigod and people are pooping out little holes on the, 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 in the bottom of the islands. Like it's the, the, when you advance the technology, then it, it, the, the onus falls more on the storyteller to justify how that's existing. At least for me, I don't like new Capenna because it's like, if everyone's a rebel and everybody's a gangster, I don't want to be a gangster and everybody's a gangster. I don't want, I don't see that's the thing. I don't even have to join a guild on Ravnica. I don't even have to join a guild on Ravnica. So I, I can just have my bookstore and my thing. I open a bookstore uh, on, on, on Streets of New Capenna. Every one of those damn families is going to come in there and shake me down. No way. That's, well, that's not worth it for a car. 
That's not worth it to be able to drive a car powered by ground up angels. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Totally agreed. Very true. And that's the other thing, too. The coffee. Nobody would want my coffee. They'd be like, it doesn't have ground up angels in it. Then I got to get ground up angels, which is somehow illegal on a plane that doesn't have any law enforcement or government. Okay, (laughs) but and yet it's illegal and hard to get. So then I got to make a deal with the mob to get ground up angel powder for my coffee. This is too much. This is ridiculous. I can go down. I can go down, get a deal with a local Golgari uh, uh, merchant to get the finest tasting coffee beans. And you just don't want to ask where they this about the soil they grew them in. Just don't ask any questions about the soil they grew them in. I get some good coffee beans on Ravnica. There you go. I love that. Yeah. Excellent well justification. All right. So our next question is along the same lines. What fictional character do you think you identify most with and why? Can be magic, can be anything other than magic. You know, I don't know. I I have a very strong affinity. Maybe this is it's a little more reflective of me in my 20s, but I, I do have a very strong uh, affinity for Fry from Futurama just because nice. that nice. is kind of what I was like in my 20s, except I went to college. But I really was just kind of like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's try and take it easy. Let's let's sit up on the couch, play some video games. I, I, I felt that growing up as a child, like the Simpsons came out when I was in like second grade. And, uh, yes, I am that old and, uh, growing up, I loved the Simpsons and I laughed at Homer and Bart as two different sides of where I was age wise, but I wasn't them. I wasn't a Bart Simpson and I certainly am not a Homer Simpson, but I think in my twenties, I really was a Philip Fry. I really was like that in a lot of ways. The, the kind of, slovenly, but also participatory in things that might be fun or interesting. I mean, Hey, he liked Star Trek and, and, and it was, but he, but he wasn't too bright, but he, you know, like I would just say I was fry, but I made it through college as an English major. And that's totally the, 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 the right major, a creative writing for someone like fry to take actually to get through that. So yeah, I'd say that's a fictional character. And now there's a lot of fictional characters I look up to and admire and perhaps pursue, but I uh, have not achieved those pursuits. It is in the pursuit that we can find that meaning. But I think that in the reality of things, that's the closest to seeing myself on screen in a lot of ways, at least, again, the me in my 20s, for sure. I would say Fry wouldn't be nearly as thoughtful or articulate about his answer, but no, no, no. That that I guess that's one difference. Uh, I'm I'm Fry at his less dumb. I, I I think I'm more season one and two Fry. They mm. they leaned into it a bit too much after that, but yeah. I, I, we are myriad. We are myriad. We, there are many many faucets to us all. Uh, similar question, but what is your favorite thing about yourself? Don't do this to me. I'm. Oh, <laughs> You're guys, all, come you on! I told you. To I, I to brag. I was gonna yeah. say. I was gonna say what? I, I. I. Come on. I was. I was. I was. I was raised the son of a, 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 a both an, a New York Jew and a New York Catholic. I have nothing but self guilt and, <laughs> and and stuff. That's who raised me. Yeah. yeah I, we were talking before the show, and I said, "Where are where are you guys at?" And when they're, you're like, "Oh, we're up near New York." I'm like, "Ah, my home country." Yeah. And so yeah. I have nothing but listen i was raised by by a man who walked in and saw me sitting around playing video games
James's fry when I was in fourth grade or whatever, and just stared at me and said, ah, is what you want to do with your life? And then would walk away and left that there, that baggage <laughs> left me with that baggage. What's my yeah. favorite thing about myself? <sighs> uh, I would say favorite, but see, that's the thing. Like I can list things I might be proud of or, that I work to ensure are positives, but favorite, like, like, my favorite we hit hard thing? here on the draft. Yeah. I, 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 I have a lot of issues with self-love in that area. I, 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 I favorite, favorite. What do I love about myself? I love about myself. What do I love about myself? I would say that I, am someone who oh, it's so boring though i'm just getting into like like positive like things like there's nothing i i don't know i i got i got nothing i got nothing i got nothing uh uh because uh, uh, all the answers i want to say see here's the thing just a armchair psychologist this all the answers i want to say are like well i i'm very proud of the fact that i i, I try and always you know be good to people. And I believe in forgiveness and I believe in, in trying to understand others and, and this, and it's like, that's not a favorite thing. That's not something at parties favorite. That's just like being a try, try and be a good human when I can and stuff. I, I'm willing to admit my faults and recognize them and look at them and obsess over them. That's not a favorite thing. That's not a good thing. Favorite thing, favorite thing. I guess almost it's like, um, you can almost think of it as like, what's something about yourself that you, you value? Well, there you go. There, there we go. Oh, no problem. I, I can answer tons of that. I value That takes talent. a lot of the pressure of favorite off, right? Yeah. If we go to psychologists about it. I value tons of this stuff. What I value about myself is that I'm willing to go outside of the box of expectations, both with myself and the people around me. And I mean that in all senses. We were talking about food earlier. I won't say I don't eat that. I won't say I don't forgive him. I won't say I won't do that. I won't say she shouldn't do that. Uh, I, I believe in being thoughtful and mindful about all things and to try and find and experience and accept the best both in all situations and in all people. And, and I just, I really believe in that. I really believe like anytime, even when a lot of times people say to me like, oh, this person's, uh, uh, do you guys swear on your show? You don't swear. This guy, person's an A word. This person's an A word. Uh, and I'll be like, yeah, I guess he's an A word, but you know, he's had a hard life. And I don't mean this about horrible, hateful, toxic people. They can go fuck themselves. Oh, there's the swear. Uh, I, I'm talking about just like, just like a regular run of the mill A word, just like a person who's a jerk just a regular non-hateful non-prejudice just a jerk there's jerks everywhere and i go yeah he's a jerk but you know he's got his own struggles doesn't he yeah you know yeah. he's trying he's got a kid he's trying to be a good father too you know and i i you know and it's like yeah i think this is a really educator mindset yeah when, when, when you think like oh yeah sure like th this is this is the most annoying kid in my class but you know, you, you also know there's more and, and you know that, that that student like works after school every day and has to like take care of their sibling. And, and like, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to see more good in people. Um, yeah. Than, than I think most people do. 
And in situations, too. Like, I look towards the situations that we find ourselves in, and I say, well, at least there's a lesson to be learned. At least we can take from this. At least we can find a way to turn it or spin it into, you know, something that can have a benefit in our lives and existence. So, yeah, that's a quality, people. I listen. I'm I'm glad I, I, for someone who's been monopolizing a conversation and is so loquacious, such as myself, I'd like to think that I do listen and take on board what other people have to say. This is why we had you on. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I mean, those are super good qualities. I think especially the listening one strikes a chord for me because I think that's something that the world would be much, much better if more people put emphasis on listening more than speaking. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we yeah we, we said uh while doing a podcast being right 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right so a little bit of a meta question here and sure maybe it's cheating but it's a fun one so what's one question that you'd love to be asked in an interview but never actually have been that's a good question uh i actually have said uh, uh to some interviewers in the past uh try not to ask me any questions that i've been asked before uh and and uh depending on i didn't say anything like that to to you guys because I, I i've i've heard your show and i have full confidence in the quality of your work but i have had a few uh ones that i guested on where i got the list of questions and i was like oh my god try and like this it's literally it's the most, it's practically, how do you spell your name? Like, like how taller it's like, come on, let's get interesting. What if, what do I wish I've been asked? What do I wish I've been asked? How about this? This is, I don't know that this is any, this is not my most wish to be asked. I'm just trying to be clever here with myself. I would say something that people don't ever ask about are areas that you don't think you're doing well in. Everybody always asks, oh, you know, like, like, oh, you got the big numbers or your, your favorite thing or your most popular thing. But what about where do you think you lack? Where do you think it is that you lack? in the work that you do, that you want to do better on, or that maybe you can't do better on, that you simply, we can't be perfect in all things. Mm. Now, this so is that, the part yeah. where we, uh, where we ask make the question. question. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can ask, but see, unlike you asking me, what's something about myself that I, I love and I struggle with? If you ask, what's something about your work that you acknowledge sucks? Uh, oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, <laughs> please have a seat. Step into my chamber. Uh, I would definitely say that I have reached an awareness that as a Magic the Gathering content creator, I'm not actually very good at Magic the Gathering. And I don't have a lot of insight into gameplay itself. One way in which I have compensated. So when I started out, I was literally showing the decks that I played at Friday Night Magic. Hey, here's my modern deck that I'm playing. And here's my standard deck. And and I reached the well of my own knowledge pretty quick. I did some research. So, for example, my video on an introduction to draft, I am not personally uh, someone who drafts frequently. I do draft. I like it. Uh, But I took what I knew and I did some research into how to form and craft a good introductory lesson for somebody that's never drafted before how to draft. And that's a, a thing I can handle. I can do research. I'm a former teacher. I can do some research into basics. But I lack a kind of instinct for the higher aspects of magic gameplay. And I often feel bad about that. You know, I look with a great deal of both admiration, he's a friend of mine, and 
envy towards uh, someone like Saffron Olive, who has a steel mind when it comes to this stuff. And I, 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 I know Seth. Uh, we were, we're very friendly, and uh, I, I, I love him a lot. And he's a very, by the way, just in terms of person, he's a teddy bear. He's the nicest sweetest guy who is always, I always hate when everybody, you know, when you're popular, people do put a bullseye on you a lot. And he's someone who is like, oh, I don't want to upset anyone. And it's funny that people sometimes hurl like he's some kind of rabble rouser, but it's often with like sideboard comments like, hey, you shouldn't sideboard this. And the people are like, ah, you shit stir. And it's like, what, what, what do you do? <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's just talking about a sideboard or something or, 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 or such, but he's someone who has a real brilliant and coming from a different perspective mind from outside the game. And I, I really wish I possessed that, but I don't. And I never will. I don't have that. And I've leaned into it. You know, I've been making jokes about how, you know, I, I don't get caught winning on camera too often, if ever, uh, having just started a gameplay show. And I do win when I play. I just, it's, you know, uh, uh, more often than not, I don't. And so that's going to very likely be what gets recorded. And I'll lean into it, but I do feel like it's unfortunate as I want to do every, like the thing I'm most proud of in my life uh, is this channel and what I've accomplished. Cause I was someone who was always told I would never accomplish anything. And, and I always felt that that was true. Like being a community college English professor, anyone can do that. You just got to go through college, you check off the classes, you just do it and you go in, here's how you write an essay. And I just felt like, like such a loser. And, and, and what I, I built with this channel is something so unique to me and something that came from what I poured into it came back and it's so personal. And so with it, I want to do everything. It's why I do everything on the channel. I want to do comedy skits. I want to do gameplay. I want to do product reviews. I want to interview Mark Rosewater. I want to do all those things. And I got to do all those things and uh, uh, I want to do more. And so then it's like, but there's a limit, there's a ceiling, isn't there? And it's like, you know what? Yeah. You're not really good at magic <laughs> despite it all. You're a creative type. You're a passionate type. You can see quality. And I really believe that while that a lot of people who play this game great, maybe some of the best players in the world, doesn't mean they're entertaining to watch. And yeah. uh, uh, I, I maybe suck at magic, but I think I can be entertaining to watch. And uh, so, yeah, but definitely that's that's one area I'm aware of. I will never be the brilliant mind of magic. I'll have to settle for its heart and soul, perhaps. Oh, and I'd like to think that. I think magic needs a little bit of like, like, like we were talking about a little early on. Some people maybe could stand to relax a little bit and have fun. And I think I'm a little bit about that that passion of 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 the game, less so than skill of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's I kind mean, of what I, we're all about, right? Like, yeah. When we started this, we were like. We don't want to focus on the spiky stuff. We can, you know, folks can listen to Marshall Sutcliffe for that. Like, you know, <laughs> they have a great draft show that does that. We want to be a little bit more on the Yeah, and that's, I think that's great. Yeah. No, if, yeah. if I were, if, if I did end up on Ravnica, uh, I would be in the Is It Guild, but I would probably be a mono red card because I'm all passion uh. and impulse. I, 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 I like those blue qualities, but I more possess that, that red fiery passion uh, uh, side of creation. That's awesome. Yeah. And honestly, you mentioned kind of like all these almost like spinning plates that you balance with doing all these different aspects. You do it well, like you, you, you pull it off. And if you didn't, 
you wouldn't be the most popular Magic the Gathering YouTube channel, would you? <laughs> like, well, all you have to do is spend nine years working six to seven days a week from morning till night. And uh, there you go. <laughs> Overnight success. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. So um, you mentioned teaching and, uh, and a bit of your background as a community college professor. Mm-hmm. So we've noticed that there's a big overlap between teachers and magic players. And honestly, there's a bunch of teachers listening in our community right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious because you're probably the most uh, prevalent of all of us teachers slash magic players. Philosophically, why do you think there's such a big overlap here? I, I don't know that I, I mean, I, there's an overlap for sure. I've always thought more that uh, uh, people who are, in uh, uh, everything like computer programming or the sciences seem to be drawn a lot more towards magic as for, for teaching. Sure, yeah. uh, I, I don't, I don't know that I agree that there's a large overlap. I, I think there are, I mean, there's obviously everyone in this, but I think what might appeal to those teachers that are in it is the process that has results that, uh, can kind of be repeated consistently. So you can learn that if you do A, B will result. And with teaching, a lot of the time you want to say, I would like to instruct you that what you need to do is start organizing your sentences in this way or start memorizing these uh, 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 aspects of science and and that that will get you certain results. And so that might be it. But I don't know. I think maybe magic just appeals to everybody and that you could dive in and say there's a huge swath of creatives in magic, just like I said a minute ago. I always felt, and that's probably just because my local game stores are filled with these science computer programmer types. Uh, I'm usually the only English major in the room room. And, and, but that's just anecdotal, of course. Uh, I, I think that it magic more just appeals to everybody that there's something in it for everybody that the artistic types can be drawn towards the story and the flavor and the characters and, you know, people who love to build that commander deck based on their commander and getting the lands that would reflect them and the art styles. And there's room for that. And there's room for someone who, like you said, is super spiky and, and, and going to tune into, you know, the Lords of Limited or Limited Resources to get that that little edge in the game. But then there's also people in that very same format that are going to love the the uh, uh, philosophy you guys have here on this channel. And there's such a wide swath. Many games are are one thing. You know, if you're going to play Dark Souls, it's one thing, right? You don't go on to Dark Souls for this giant swath of ways to experience a game. But I think you can go into magic with that. I think you can go into magic and it isn't one game, is it? It's many different games that you can play using one set of cards and one system. And we see that represented in our different formats, but also in the variety and diversity of interests and players and just passions about the game. Yeah, for sure. So another aspect of the game that we think is is applicable to everybody and something that we frankly think isn't talked about enough is mental health. And yes. we have a we have a series recurring on the show called Mental Magic that kind of associates different aspects of mental health as it pertains to playing the game. And one thing we've seen a lot of lately is release after release after release. So we were kind of curious like what your experience with potential burnout is with especially from a content creation perspective, right? With all these new sets is are we kind of at a point where too much of a 
good thing is kind of a bad thing or you know i'll tell i'll tell you i i really hate this comment that gets made when when we raise criticisms about product overload and and we get this comment a lot that says oh that's just because you're a content creator and you have to keep up with everything and if you were just a regular person regularly playing this game this wouldn't be an issue and i i i I refute that i i think that's kind of like they would say to comedians like boy i bet you'd love it like uh they would say to like john stewart or stephen colbert and they'd always say oh i bet you love it if this terrible person gets elected because then you got years of material and like no i don't want a terrible person elected and i i feel like no it's it's not it's not that I'm a, a creator. In fact, actually, I'd argue to those people that as a content creator, I would say that this just gives me a lot to talk about and a lot of videos. Like if my most successful videos are being critical of wizards, then shouldn't I want wizards to keep making mistakes? I want what's best for me as a player first and foremost. And I think that the constant release is, you know, uh, wizards finding out that, this stuff currently will sell and they're going to just try and get the most profit imaginable. And I think it has a huge detriment on the game. People can't remember what happened in sets anymore. People can't savor the flavor. Do you remember when it used to be weeks into a set and you would be writing about new uh, archetypes that would be discovered in draft or, or, or new decks that are emerging in standard as we would dive and chew up and digest these formats and now every other week it's something new coming out and the only reason now we have a six-week hiatus it's six weeks until the next release feels like an eternity doesn't it and and we only have this six-week hiatus because two products got delayed and they wouldn't have had this we would have been having another product coming out next week and then another product two weeks after that and when when this six weeks is up those products are coming out and i believe someone did the math there's going to be I think something it's a don't it's not this isn't the exact number, but it really is something like seven products in a 10 day window are going to be released. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or six products in a two week window, something along. It's very close to that. Uh, uh, There was there's a big Reddit post about it. And they said, look, this is coming out here. This is coming out here. This is coming out here. We're getting six products in two weeks. That's insane. Uh, uh, Pardon me saying insane. I didn't mean that in an old school pejorative sense. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're talking about mental health. And there I go. But uh, I, I don't know about mental health being connection to product burnout uh, so much. Uh, uh, I think that mental health is something that should be talked about more. Uh, I think that it's nothing to have a, 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 it shouldn't have this bad stigma with it. And that a lot of times people don't want to acknowledge uh, uh, what they themselves go through out of fear of being viewed as weak or broken or, or, or some other negative connotation. And I think that's terrible because there's a lot of people who don't uh, uh, have a, uh, a resource to seek help and aren't going to go out for that resource if they feel that they're alone. And when, in fact, the majority of people struggle with mental health, uh, hearing that you are not alone can make a huge difference. I am on antidepressants, which I take, and I take because a streamer that I watch uh, one day, I used to be, I will not take something. What if I'm not me anymore, right? That old philosophy. What if I'm not me anymore? Meanwhile, what's me? Uh, someone who's waking up with terrible, crippling yeah. depression and, 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 and in a bad state. 
And I heard a streamer that I love and admire and respect talk about his relationship with uh, 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 medication for his depression. And of course, you know, the the very important note that everybody's brain is different. This is uh, a unique thing to each of us. And what works for one person will not work for everyone. And that there is a wide spectrum of therapy and counseling and medication, and you've got to find what works for your specific brain chemistry. But just being able to begin that process of trying to find what will work for you if you are struggling is important. And I was very lucky that the medication that I got worked for me and uh, has been a, a life changer for me in a, in a great way. And it only came about because uh, I watched someone be open and honest about their own struggles. So I'll absolutely be open and honest about my own struggles and situation as well. I'm not ashamed of the fact that uh, when we were talking about what's what's your favorite thing about yourself, and I was like, oh, God, you know, I've got a lot of issues with self-love here. It's like, yeah. no, I, I, I do. You know, I'm not alone. And, and maybe you're listening to this and you might have a similar thing. You're not, exactly. you know, you're, you're not alone in that. And uh, uh, for me, what worked for me was the right combination of therapy and, and uh, medication because I, I had uh, a chemical imbalance to which the medication helped, you know. And uh, that's nothing to be ashamed of any more than if you break your arm, you need to put a cast on and you need help in that too, or you get sick, you need to take your medicine. Uh, and so that's something I strongly believe is, is that we really should uh, work to uh, eliminate that negative stigma with mental health and seeking personal uh, success and healing for mental health struggles whatever that may be. And that is unique to each person. Maybe you don't, medication will not work for you or is not something that, that you need and you need something else. But you, you know, there's nothing wrong or shameful in beginning that journey to try and find Absolutely. what that solution is for yourself. Totally. And, and we appreciate you sharing yeah. uh, and being candid with us. And then I think this kind of destigmatization uh, is what it's going to take to eventually get us to this utopia where, where we do treat <laughs> mental health just as seriously as, as we do physical health. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, uh, speaking of the magic community, um, I think we've evolved pretty far past this, this ancient stereotype of like magic and D&D players are like these white nerdy men in basements. And I think we've successfully moved past that very rigid and not at all true stereotype Oh, um, did they? Oh, did they cancel the Big Bang Theory? Uh, really? <laughs> well, I, I think at least there have been steps made in in general, not necessarily within the Big Bang Theory, but uh, how can we continue to you know, grow this magic community to be more inclusive of all identities? I mean, we, we've made steps, but um, have we? Uh, well, probably a good question to ask someone who's not a, a cis white male. Uh, I'm not uh, uh, in that position to talk about the progress we've we've made in that area. As the cis white male, though, what I would say is, again, going back to what we mentioned earlier, uh, one of the most important things you can do is to listen. Great quality in general in life, but definitely when it comes to these areas, listen. And if you do feel the need to, to speak up and speak out, uh, usually the, the best thing to do is to uh, do so in a way that amplifies uh, voices from within those marginalized communities. So instead of, you know, like you're 
your your take on the subject. Uh, why not instead you say, hey, everyone should go listen to this person over here. Lift them up. Hit that retweet. And if you do need to say something, saying I believe you, saying I support you, saying I'm here for you, and saying you are you are all I will you know fight for you to be welcome here in this space and treated equally, uh, and with the love, kindness, and respect that uh, everyone deserves. But definitely listen and amplify is what I'll say uh, to my fellow cis white men. As for how far we've come, that's, the, you know, the, that's not a question I'm suited for answering. Uh, mm. Just that we do definitely need to continue listening and amplifying. Yeah, I think that's that's something that it's it's always a tough question. Like, as you mentioned, as cis white men, it's it's kind of a different difficult question to approach. So it's it's something that's been at least for Ben and I've been on top of mind because we want to make sure that we are listening and amplifying, as you mentioned, and doing so in a healthy way that that does bring inclusion and not just uh, whether by accident or otherwise excluding people. And so, mm. right. Yeah, it's good to have in mind that we can always do better. Always can do better. Certainly. So our, our last question for you here is you have a magic button and pressing it changes one thing about the world. What would you change? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, out of all the, the many things, if I can, I'm going to I thought about this one when I read the outline and I, I you got to word your wishes very carefully with genies and magic buttons. And so mm. the way I think I could do the most good for the most people with this magic button would be to say, I don't know, an end to suffering. Mm. So how about an end to suffering? So at least that that covers a lot. And yeah. there's still obviously lots of social progress and scientific progress and everything in between that would work would need to be done. But at the very least, if I could push a button to just end human suffering, I'd throw my dice on that one. Yeah, that feels like a pretty good net net gain. And there'll still be sadness, you know, and but that sometimes that's a good thing. Yeah, but let's let's take care of, of like literal human suffering. Well, uh. On that cheerful note, but there is no, <laughs> but there is no magic button, and the suffering will continue. No, it will not continue because we'll work towards that. You know, you gotta have hope. I yeah. guess. I don't know. Exactly. What's what's you what's what's you liked uh, double double masters two thousand twenty two draft? Huh? <laughs> uh, is is do you think so? You're both you're both. This is the limited podcast here. Here's uh, a que- yeah. I got a question to you each. Okay. Right? How about that? Absolutely. Sure. Do you think double masters two thousand twenty two for the draft experience alone, the quality of the draft is worth 50 to $60 to draft and to get that ticket, as it were, to that experience. Not the value in the cards, the value of the draft. Is that is that this a next level draft where it's like, oh, you got to it's expensive, but you got to experience this. What they put together here. This is this is primo draft experience. Uh, this might be a hot take. Uh, admittedly, a small sample size, but I'm not sure any draft is worth 50 to 60 dollars. Ah, <laughs> you know? ah. when, when that when that 50 or 60 dollars that think about what you can do with 50 bucks, you know, <laughs> like you can do an awful lot. You could, you could buy a good chunk of a pioneer deck or, or, yeah. you, know, um, you know, upgrade all of your deck boxes or go out to eat with a friend <laughs> to like a get decent that, restaurant, get that baked potato with all the fixings. Oh, exactly. Good, good callback. So like, I don't think I would say it is worth that price. Now, if we're talking about 
you're keeping the cards. I'm, I'm approaching this like phantom wise. Uh-huh. Um, if you're if you're looking at EV monetarily, I don't know. Saffron, I'll probably crunch the numbers already. I, I'm sure I'm sure there's a, a positive EV on this still. But no, I, I, I don't think so. I think uh, and perhaps this ties into everything. Perhaps this ties into ending suffering and uh, mental health. But I think sometimes if you've got that 50 bucks and you're thinking about doing a, a double masters 2022 draft, just go get lunch with a friend you haven't seen in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I'm on, I'm on board with that. It's uh it's a, it's an exciting experience, I guess, to do like the double masters thing, but mm. you know, picking extra cards and whatever, but like at the end of the day, it's still a draft. And if you're not like, I'd rather take that 60 bucks and buy like half of our cube because it's super cheap to get <laughs> and like go grab yeah. eight friends and draft a cube. Yeah. And, and draft with people that I, that I actually know instead of, I mean, there's a great, it's a great experience to go to an LGS and, and support the store and draft the folks in person. But, um, at the same time, like, I think there's more you can do with the money. Hmm. I've got something for this. Uh, I actually think I had a more fun, like sitting down, like smiles per minute. I had a better time with Baldur's Gate and just like people knowing that like, oh, like, oh man, something wacky's going on here. I think I got my commander. Like the, 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 the energy at the table was so positive mm-hmm. and, of course, there was a lot of that too with Double Masters. I mean, you're ripping packs and hoping to open t- Eldrazi Titans. Like that's fun right. for Magic players. But um, I think I think sitting down at the Baldur's Gate draft table, I had a bigger smile on my face. Awesome. Well, I think that does it for us this week. Again, if you haven't already checked out the Discord, do check that out. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Prof, anything you want to plug? Anything cool going on with your channel? I know you mentioned your your gameplay show. Yeah, watch my watch my gameplay show. No, that's the big one. Watch the gameplay show. It's called Shuffle Up and Play. Uh, it's extremely expensive to make, so please go watch it because uh, we've put a lot of love into it. We're really proud of a lot of things, like uh, 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 we're able to zoom in on the cards and see them more or less crystal clear. Uh, which was a big like thing for me when we were in the developmental stage. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. If, if, if we have to use, you know, card overlays and the cards are potato cam quality or fuzzy, I want it crystal clear. That's one reason the cameras are so freaking expensive. Uh, so yeah, go good. check yeah. it out. We, we do different formats. We did legacy uh, with Aaron from game grumps and everyone hated it. Next week, we've got a flashback standard to two pro tour standard decks. Nice. Uh, uh, and uh, we did popper the week before and commander the week after that. And we're trying to figure out, how to do draft. Uh, the trick with draft is that ideally we want a pod of, you know, eight people and with draft, a big aspect is showing the picks, showing what the options Mm. were. That is a a tough nut to crack to show that in a way that's entertaining and engaging. And again, you can clearly see what is going on. We're working on draft, but we've got some ideas and uh, we've we've done a wide variety of formats, so it's called Shuffle Up and Play. It's on the Tolarian Community College channel. Check it out. Share with a friend. Let's just say if you ever come up with a six out of eight, you know who to call. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for being here. This has been a dream come true for, for Zach and I and everyone. Well, go, go check out the professor. Uh, you, you all probably know him already, but uh, go give him a look. Thank you so much for having me. Now, before we close, oh. we have a bit of a sign up. Oh, now the sign off for this week. I, I happened to notice something on Twitter. Oh, uh, no. two, two of uh, 
two people that I hold in quite high regard interacting with another. That, and that's always something. I happen to see you comment on a post by Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, I love I love Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. So uh, big Twin Peaks fan. By any I'm a big Twin Peaks fan, but also David Lynch fan. Yes. Oh, my God. I've, I've I been actually re- I've been reading David Lynch's autobiography and it's insane. What he did yeah. was he hired a biographer to write his autobiography, but then he wrote his own autobiography and they alternate the same sections of his life. Oh, so that that's he says, awesome. he says, this is what happened to me. And she writes, this is what happened to him. And they converge. And wow. they're, it's just like, it's, it's just the sort of crazy crap he'd think up. He's insane in a, in a great way, in a lovable yes. way. Yeah. Yes. Now, did you watch the return? Uh, I loved it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Finally. Oh, someone with taste. Oh my God. I don't understand the, the, the negativity that it got. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and Kyle McLaughlin was, was, Oh man, the, the, the he played feelings. three characters. He played three different characters. Anybody wanting like the problem is is like they're not just you're not going to just get the show again. You can't get the show again. They and couldn't the do point. it if they tried. That was the whole point. They could yeah. not just go back and be filming this yeah. you know twenty five year old television soap opera style show and yeah. if they had tried it it would have been terrible and what they got into were the ideas instead behind that show mm. and behind those characters yes. and in many ways they were about the flaw in such a pursuit that in trying to do that like the very end where he's trying to bring back Laura Palmer and it's like you yeah. can't you yeah. can't do it loved it uh i i I kill for David Lynch. Like that. What, what a, what a brilliant mind. Mulholland drive is, is another favorite of mine, but actually just yesterday I watched uh what would Jack or what, what did Jack do? Have you seen that? I have not seen that one yet. Ah, it's a short, I think it's like 15 to 20 minutes. It's oh, on wait, Netflix. is that the one with the monkey? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the one with the monkey. That's yeah. He made it as a birthday. This is how, how unique David Lynch is. He made it as a birthday present to the monkey. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. That's incredible. Oh, wow. I I loved every second of it. And uh, I'm big Twin Peaks fan. In fact, I've been been doing some research on like good Twin Peaks tattoos to get. I've been trying to decide which one uh, to settle on. Haven't decided quite yet. But uh, I I will say when I saw the interaction, I was like, wow, two of my faves uh, interacting with another. I I will say I have a friend uh, who, who travels back and forth a lot, east to west coast. And she actually bumped into David Lynch on a flight Wow! and talked to them. I, I was, this is a friend that I happened to watch Twin Peaks with her. Um, so she knew like her and I were, were both huge fans. She went up to him and was at, like saying, oh my God, I'm a big fan. And uh, I think it would, it warmed my heart. So it made it to you as well. Apparently he is the most down to earth kind oh, yeah. dude. And he was asking her about her flight and like where she was headed, if she had any, any uh, fun plans later. Uh, apparently his son was there and was like ha- like just saying hi. Kyle McLaughlin is a, is a real one, we'll say. That's beautiful. Oh.